morning. Let's just love it when the Holy Spirit gets involved in the service. Yes. That's what's happened here this morning. Everything has just come together. And uh, prayers that it's a glorious day here. While I'm getting yes. set up on my notes and getting everything over, I want you to just take a moment and think of someone who had a major impact on your life. Maybe someone who set a great example for you on how you should do something or how you should live. So just think about that a second as we get set up. So uh, my mother's in the audience today. She's right down front here, so I'm gonna lead out and say My advice for you is if your mother's in the audience today, you lead off with saying your mother had a great impact on your life and it might be trouble later on, right? And so uh, I'm going over my sermon notes uh, with my wife, Lou, yesterday. Uh, Lou is blessed to get to hear this sermon about three or four times. I know she really loves that. And so Lou gives me this, well, what about your wife, Stephen? Does your wife have a great impact on your life? Let's take this time for a shout out to all the moms and all the wives in the audience today for the impact they Woo! have on us and the encouragement that they yeah. give us. Alright, so our title this morning is To Live is Christ. You might recognize that. It's from Philippians 1.21. And uh, Paul said this. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We're going to see today that Paul's life in ministry is a reflection of Jesus' life and ministry. Good. For believers, we have Jesus. His life and his ministry is our example, right? But if you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, please listen to this message. We will have a time for you to respond later. We're going to speak about some awesome truths about Jesus Christ today. And the fact is, today could be the day that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You can yes. come right down here to this place where the lights were flickering and we had to unplug it. We can pray for you. <laughs> and you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior here today. And next week we'll drag that baptism in here and we'll get Justin's shoes really wet while the water floods on the road. So, uh, we know as a blessing to him. So if you would please stand at this time and let's go ahead and read through today's text. Uh, this is going to be our text today, but since this is Palm Sunday, we want to press in a little bit on Jesus beforehand and how it relates to this text today. Okay, so we're in Acts 20 and we start with verse 1. Before I read this, I just want to tell you that a characteristic of Jesus was kindness. So be really kind as I pronounce these names here. I have to study on it a little bit. Uh, show me grace, please. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent out for the disciples. And after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So Peter the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, 
and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy and the Asians, Tychicus and Tropimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. Underline that us right there. They'll let you know that Paul, that mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Luke is an eyewitness account of the yeah. things we're studying today. Yeah. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. And there were many lamps in the upper room where we had gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting there at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him up in his arms, he said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, and were not a little comforted. Father, we just pray that you join us in this time. Father, we pray that you open hearts and minds to the truth of the gospel. Father, just help us to see how... Jesus' life and ministry impacted Paul, and so how it should affect us. Father, my prayer in this time is that you are glorified by all that I say and do. In mm -hmm. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So as I said, we're going to press in and we're going to start uh, with a little teaching on Jesus Christ. And with your hand out there, if you have it, you want to grab it at this time. The first thing that we're going to study on is three attributes of Jesus' life and ministry. These attributes of Jesus' life and ministry should impact every believer. They should be our source of hope, like we studied on last week. But they should also cause us to walk. By faith. Sort of like to think of this as knowledge and action. What we know to be true, carrying out the way that we treat others and the way that we live in this world. Then we're going to transition and we're going to look at three attributes of Paul's faith, which is the impact Jesus had on his life and his ministry. The first attribute we're going to look at is the fact that Jesus was a servant. In the South, I feel like we can get a little saturated with gospel truth. Some of us have heard it for years, and I think sometimes we can just gloss over this first truth. So I want to just say this, and please just let this soak in. The God of the universe took on sinful flesh conquered every temptation and dealt with all the troubles of this world for our good. Amen. Think about that. He left heaven and come down to dwell with his people so that first off he could be our savior but also so that he could be our example of how we should live and how we should treat others. In doing this he gave us the perfect example of how his followers should live in an imperfect world. 
He gave us this perfect example by taking on the humble role of a servant. We know from Scripture that Jesus counted others more important than himself. Jesus would put his agenda aside to help others. He would put his agenda aside to go heal their loved ones, people that he didn't have any relationship with at all. We know that he would provide food for those that were hungry, when he himself had to be hungry, and he himself had to be tired. For me, that can be a bit of a, a trip up. That's a joke around our house that uh, you get me uh, hungry, tired, or hot. That's that's a bad combination for me. You know, I don't I don't do well with that. <laughs> Any of those two with me. So we're really glad that Jesus pushed through this, even though he was hot, hungry, and tired, and that. He focused on other people. And that's a great example for me in my own life. The heart of a servant will always be one that counts others more important than theirs, their self. It will be one that always sees other people's needs and is willing to meet them at their own expense. Right? That's what we talked about this morning with the church. Jesus is teaching his disciples here in this passage that we're going to read. This is uh, right after Palm Sunday. This is during the Holy Week. In just a few days, we know that Jesus will go to the cross for us. But listen to what Jesus says here in Luke 22, 27. He tells his disciples as he's teaching them, For who is the greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. Great words from our Lord and Savior. The second attribute of Jesus Christ is that Jesus was our sacrifice. He would give us the ultimate example of servanthood by offering up his body to be our sacrifice. On Palm Sunday, Jesus would be exalted with shouts of Hosanna in the highest, which means the highest praise. A few days later, he would be faced with cries of crucify him. The important thing about that is that Jesus would answer both calls. He would not deny either crowd. He would satisfy both chances. Jesus would prove to be worthy of the highest praise by going to the cross and be our perfect sacrifice. By offering his body to be our sacrifice, we can be forgiven for our sins here on this earth. Because of his sacrifice, we have been given the right to be called children of God this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Because he took on the role of a servant and was willing to be our sacrifice today, Jesus Christ is our Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's your third attribute on your sheet, that Jesus Christ is now our Savior. I wanted to point out these characteristics of Jesus' life and his ministry as an example for us, but also so that you can see the resemblance of Jesus in our text today. Last week, we focused on the hope that we have in the gospel. Now we transition to how what we know about the gospel impacts our walk. Remember in VC, we ask you to rest in hope. Yes. 
But we also ask you to walk by faith. The first attribute we see of Paul's ministry on our handout is that Paul was an encourager. Pressing into our text today now in Acts. And we know that Paul was so impacted by Jesus' humbleness as a servant that he himself became a great encourager. To encourage someone actually means to give them courage. It means to give them the hope that you have within you, right? By telling them about the gospel, but it also means to live in such a way that you are giving them hope. A couple of things about being an encourager is to be an encourager, you must have a source of courage, right? I'm always a little leery of the guy work. We get into some sketchy situations sometimes working on equipment. You know, and then the guy that's hiding behind me, he's like, oh, it's fine, man, we're fine, you know. Nothing's going to happen. And I'm like, well, step up front then, you know what I mean? Like, show me everything's going to be fine. And so to be a person that encourages others, you have to have that courage to give them, right? You have to show them that you have courage, and you have to be willing to tell them where your source of courage comes from. Yeah. Jesus, right? That's right. The second thing about an encourager is that like Jesus as a servant, you have to count others as more important than yourself. You have to put your fears aside and you have to put what you're dealing with aside and be focused more on what other people are dealing with so that you can encourage them, so that you will have the words to give them and that you can tell them what they need to hear to take hope and to have courage. Last week, we was in chapter 19, and in verse 30, we see that Paul had to be physically restrained from going into the theater. There's a huge riot going on in Ephesus, and two of Paul's disciples have been dragged into the theater. Paul's desperately trying to get into them. The Asiarchs called down and told Paul not to go in because they were almost certain that Paul himself would be killed if he was to get in there to where the mob was, right? Today in chapter 20, verse 01, we see that just as the riot has ended, as soon as everything settles down, what is Paul doing? He's calling in his disciples to encourage them, right? He's telling them about his source of courage. The fact is this riot started because of Paul's preaching. It was pushed back on the gospel message that Paul was Bringing it back. And it's because they were seeing this life change in people. And there were some people that wasn't really happy about this. So Paul's called the disciples together. And he's decided to encourage them after a huge riot. There were thousands of people chanting. A couple of their friends could have just been killed. They've narrowly escaped. So how do you encourage somebody in a situation like that that's that desperate? The first thing you have to do is you have to look away from yourself. And you have to focus your eyes on Jesus Christ. You have to tell them about your source of courage. This Jesus. You have to tell them about your Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell them that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Paul's great faith made him a great encourager. 
the second attribute we want to look at in Paul's ministry is that Paul was willing to endure hardships for the sake of the gospel. Paul was able to endure many hardships because of the faith that he had in Jesus Christ. As I said last week in chapter 19, we focused in on the right. We find out that immediately following this right, that Paul would not be deterred from his plans. The mission would continue on. We closed out with the encouraging fact that the right did not change anything about Paul's purposes or about Paul's plans. In chapter 20, verse 3, we see this week that there's another plot made against Paul's life. Many scholars believe that the plan was to sink the ship that Paul was going to board. Some other theologians believe that that wasn't the case, but that they had put a group of men on there to throw Paul overboard when they were out at sea. The fact is, people wanted Paul dead. People wanted to stop this gospel message at all costs. Everywhere Paul went, he was thrown in jail. People were making plots against his life. But Paul would not be stopped. Paul would endure all these hardships because of his great faith. Because of the hope that he had in the gospel. Paul's purpose for this specific mission is to gather a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. The fact is though, as you're going through the towns and you're gathering this collection for the saints in Jerusalem, it's also a really good time to spread the gospel, right? So Paul would go through, he would show people his heart as he took up this collection for missions, but also he would speak the truth about Jesus Christ in every area that he came to. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.11 about the situations that he deal with. Paul said, first off in verse 1, that he should be counted as a servant of Jesus Christ. But then in here, verse 4, he says, to this present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. This is what the conditions were like for Paul. But Paul was able to look away from himself and focus more on the needs of others. Paul would make this trek around and he would take up this offering for the saints. He would be preaching the gospel as he went and in so doing he would be a wonderful example for the early church and how we should live just like Jesus Christ was for him. Paul was willing to deal with whatever came his way to serve others, to spread encouragement, and to spread the news of the gospel. The third attribute we see of Paul's ministry is that Paul was an evangelist. It was Paul's faith that drove him into evangelism. Paul wanted everyone to know about the hope that existed within him. He wanted everyone to know the reason for his great faith. What it was that drove him to endure these hardships. 
He wanted everyone to know about his source of courage as he encouraged others. Evangelism is primarily thought of as speaking the truth of the gospel, right? In a situation like this where you're up front in front of a crowd and you're preaching a sermon. And you know, and that is true. That is evangelism. But evangelism can also be as simple as putting your faith on display for all to see, right? Showing them what you believe through how you walk. We have a saying in recovery that some people don't want to hear a sermon. They want to see a sermon, right? They want to see what you believe. And most of the time, people can tell what you believe by how you live. They can tell what's important to you. It's just the truth this morning. The hope of the gospel was so ingrained in Paul. And his faith was on display for all the early church to see. The fact is, this is what made Paul... A powerful preacher. In chapter 20 verse 7. We see that Paul is establishing the church. Through the power of Jesus Christ. He's using the model given him by Jesus. Uh, we see a beautiful picture. They are meeting together in the upper room. Uh, for fellowship. They are breaking bread. And they are preparing to worship Jesus. Two side notes for that. This is the first record that we have of the church meeting on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, like we do now. It is also believed that Paul delayed his message so that the entire church could be together. It was uh, very possible that some of the new converts had to work until dark. You know, we can think of it as the second shift, right? We're waiting on the second shift to get off because uh, we want everybody to be together. Here at church. So finally we see that everyone has gotten there. They've had time for fellowship. And the fact is it's now after midnight when Paul starts preaching his sermon. It's dedication, right? So Paul is now preaching into the early morning. And Eutychus falls out the window and is killed. You know, that can be a little sketchy for a service, right? We've had a couple people fall out during the CR. It's hard to get crumped back up after that. But I didn't bring anybody back to life either. So. But the fact is, some commentaries that I read, there's some pushback, and there's a fracture between the scholars on this. Some of them say that, you know, Paul actually did bring him back to life through the power of Jesus Christ. But others say, no, he just thought he was dead. But for me, I'm convinced this is a miracle done by the power of God through the hands of Paul. That he actually brought him back to life. I mean, I think there's proof of that here in this. Because what does the scripture say? It says in verse 9, he is taken up dead. Right? Mm -hmm. And then what do we see in verse 12? Is taken away alive. We know that all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? And we also know that the author of this book was a physician. So if it's in the Bible and Barry tells me that somebody's dead, I'm believing it. You know, that's a physician we have to trust. That's enough for me. You put the Bible and Barry's opinion together, then that's all I need to know. So I definitely think that we have seen a miracle here. To where a person has been raised by the dead. And we see that 
a beautiful fact here. I want you to press in on this. Afterwards, they went upstairs and they eat more and talk and they fellowship until daybreak. After this had been done, I mean, I guess the fact is that if you survive a riot and an assassination attempt and bring somebody back to life, people can't get enough of you. They want to hear everything that you have to say. But the fact is the power that God had displayed through the hands of Paul combined with the hope that he has and the faith that's displayed through him is a powerful example for the early church. Press in on this. God will do great things through those who have great faith. Matthew 17, verse 20 says, If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. I love the act of faith that Paul had. That, you know, Paul runs down the two stories and takes him up in his arm. We can see the resemblance there from Jesus' ministry as well. Jesus raised several people back to life. And we see how much Jesus believed. Jesus tells the people he was laughed at when he told people, go outside, she's just asleep. Jesus knew the power that was on hand to raise people from the dead. And we see now the same thing in Paul, that Paul runs down the stairs knowing that this man can be brought back to life if it's within the will of God, if they believe and do not doubt. We also see in the scriptures several times that Jesus told people, it was your faith, your faith has made you well. This morning, Mountain View Church, rest in the hope of the gospel, Amen. which is the truth that we know about Jesus. But walk by your faith, showing everybody what you believe, which is the effect that those truths have on your life, and the way they impact how you treat people, how you encourage people, how that you're willing to tell people about this hope that's within you, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. If we continue to do this, God will do miraculous things through this group as well. The power of the Spirit is alive today in this place. We feel it during worship. We experience it as we come together as believers like this church did as well. When we walk by faith, following the example Jesus gave us, God will provide us with these things. These are your three takeaways on the bottom. We sit right here in the scripture. God will provide you with protection to carry out his will. We see last week that there were people that were town officials that were involved to help Paul get out of this situation so that Paul could continue on in his journey and continue to work for the Lord. Here we see that it was brought to Paul's attention that there was a plot against him. There was a plan made for him to go elsewhere so that he would escape this assassination attempt. In verse 4 we see that God will give you people 
to walk beside you. We see here in chapter and verse 4, I'm sorry, all the people that God surrounded Paul with after that assassination of him, right? There's been an attempt made on his life. What do we see? We see this band of brothers come together and travel with Paul to make sure he gets where he's going safe and sound. God will always provide you with people to walk through the fire with you. Chapter 20, verse 10, we see that God will provide you with power according to your faith, right? Again, he says, your faith has made you well. We see here that God done a miracle through the hands of Paul. We see that it starts with Paul's great faith to run down there and take him up in his arms. Well, they likely prayed to the God of heaven and his life was restored to him. God will always provide you with power to do whatever it is in your life that you need to do for his will, for his purpose, and if you rely on his power. So as the worship team prepares to come up this morning, I started off talking about the example that we have if we're believers here, that's Jesus Christ. I don't want to assume that everybody here is a believer in this place. But as I said, uh, there would be a time to respond, and now is the time for you to do that. We just pray that you be obedient to whatever the Lord is doing in your heart this time. As we stand here this present hour, Jesus Christ is our Savior, right? Amen. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our hope. If you come down today and you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, you can be baptized next week. You can join in with this church family. And then we can all continue to walk by faith, becoming His disciples. Right? So, if you need somebody to pray with you, you can grab me, or you can grab Lou, you can grab Justin, uh, and you can come down to this place today. Today can be a turning point for you in your life. You can join in right here with this family and continue to press in Jesus Christ fellowship with our worship and our praise of Jesus Christ.